0: My friend, thank you so much for downloading this podcast, and it is my sincere hope you'll hear something that will encourage, edify, equip, and then get you out into the marketplace of ideas. But before you listen, I'm going to tell you about this month's truth tool. My truth tool is offered to anyone who gives a financial gift to In the Market with Janet Parshall. And this month I've chosen the book, Connecting the Dots, What God is Doing When Life Doesn't Make Sense. Ever been there? Of course you have. We all have been. Sometimes we think we're walking in circles, and we're wondering whether or not God has left us, we've walked away from Him, what in the world we're doing, if we're even in the center of His will. So this book is designed to help you find peace and confidence in your current challenge and all of us have challenges. It also will make sense of most of the lessons you're learning right now. And the most important part of this and why I felt this would be appropriate is because it will help clarify in your mind the unique mission and message that God has given to you. So the book is called Connecting the Dots. It's yours for a gift of any amount. And all you have to do is call 877-Janet-58. That's 877-Janet-58. And give a gift of any amount, and we'll send you a copy of Connecting the Dots. If you prefer to do it online, that's easy as well. In the market with org, Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. Click on through, make your gift, and again, we'll send you a copy of Connecting the Dots. Just below the picture of the book is a description of what it means to be a partial partner. Those are people who give every month a gift of their own choosing. They set the level of giving. I don't. But they'll always get the truth tool. And in addition to that, a weekly newsletter that goes out as well. So consider being a partial partner or getting a copy of Connecting the Dots by calling 877-Janet58 or online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Now, please enjoy the program. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching.
1: Time the conference was over the president won a pledge. So Americans help. worshiping government over God. An
0: extremely rare safety move by a nation.
2: 17 years of Palestinians and Israelis negotiating. We hear a lot of we
0: Hi friends, welcome to In The Market with Janet Parshall and that cacophony of the marketplace of ideas. You and I probably will run into more than one person who wants to talk about marriage. Somebody who wants to be married, is married, and wants to get out of their marriage. And somewhere along the line, some of the merchants are gonna tell you all the statistics, and they're not very good, by the way, not at least in the market at large, but uh, we got some blemishes in the church as well. So we're gonna talk about marriage this hour with a couple that are very willing to be transparent about their life. Because you see, they thought they had it all until it all fell apart, until they met the one who put it all back together again. And that's really their story. And they tell it in their new book called Sex on the First Date, the story of a broken beginning to a radically transformed marriage. Our guests are Tim and Kathy Bush. They've been married since 1982. They have three adult children, three in-law children, and eight grandbabies thus far. They are speakers as well at Family Life affiliate staff, and they share their story at marriage conferences and retreats all across the country. You might know them because they also founded War Room Ministries, which serves to strengthen men, marriages, families, and churches, and to develop Christian character through redemption, relationships, and resilience. And you know what? I always appreciate conversations like this because it's one thing to write a book from an academician's perspective. This is what I learned. This is what I know. And I'm going to teach you, but it's a whole nother thing to say. I have been in God's classroom. Let me teach you what he's taught me when we were going through the refiner's fire, because I want to pass it on to you. That wounded comforter to me is the highest form of not only ethos, but pathos that somebody can have. So Tim and Kathy, the warmest of welcomes Thank you for something I can't give you back. That's an hour of your time, and I don't take it lightly that you're giving it to me. I'm so grateful that we finally get a chance to meet and we get an opportunity to spend the hour together. But I want to thank you also for your transparency because you say stuff in this book that uh, once upon a time in a land far, far away we would say, "Well, we don't discuss this in polite company." But you do it because you're really radically committed. I'm going to use that word specifically to having marriages healed and restored. If he can do it in your marriage, he can do. He can do that for anybody. So I, I thank you for that because it took some courage for you to do that. And you start out the book by talking about your backgrounds. And I think that's a very appropriate place for us to start because so often we bring into our marriage the brokenness from our childhood. And trauma is not delayed. It cannot be denied. It has to be worked through and dealt with. And very often when trauma isn't dealt with, it shows up in a marriage. And then you think, well, wait a minute. I was supposed to live happily ever after in this once upon a time world. And it didn't work out, and that's because sometimes trauma has shown up before the vows. So, Tim, I'm going to start with you. Tell your life uh, is—it's uh, an amazing story. Talk to me about the multiple men that were in and out of your mother's life, and the trauma that that left on you.
2: Well, thanks, Janet, and thanks for having us. Uh, my my mom was uh, married nine times, and and really because she had high morals more than anything else, she would not have sex with a man without being married to him is what she would always say. And uh, and I had two of those stepdads abuse me, not sexually, but physically. And one of them to the point of putting me into the hospital twice mm. and be- beating me so bad that I was black and blue on my backside from the back of my knees clear up into my shoulders. And uh, back in those days, there was no CPS. And you just uh, you just lived through that. And then I didn't realize till some... 40 years later, how that was still bothering me, and and I had to work through it through counseling. Uh, But that was was part of it. And then uh, I went from there and was adopted by my grandparents, because my mom married a guy that didn't want to have any kids. And so uh, she gave me up to my grandparents for adoption, and my dad okayed that, my real dad. And uh, so that started in my—no church in my life whatsoever— and my my dad, uh, I never saw him very many times, probably a half dozen times all through growing up until graduation time. And then my grandparents, no church at all with them either, and they were married 37 years. But he also taught me my work ethic, work hard, sow your wild oats. Women are attracted to money and success, and someday you're going to be married to somebody like your grandma the rest of your life, and you want to make sure and sow all those wild oats now. And that's that was my how I was mentored, and my grandpa did a lot of great things for me. uh, But there was really no man in my life that were really pouring into me, teaching me how to treat a woman. Uh, Nothing spiritual, nothing like that. I mean, Mm. I'd never learned any of that.
0: Wow. So, Tim, because there was this revolving door of men in your life until you were officially adopted by your grandfather, did you ever, looking back on the trauma that you had to endure when you were growing up, Were there abandonment issues because there were men that were in and out all the time? Or did your grandfather's place in your life take care of that? And that wasn't so much a problem.
2: I knew he was there for me. He loved me with all his heart and gave me the best he had. He didn't know what he didn't know. And I realized that. And and but I can tell you when I went through counseling, my counselor, uh, Jake, he said, Tim, he said, you are trying to survive and you're Mm -hmm. never going to make enough money. You're never going to. Be in a situation where you're going to trust people unless you can give some of this stuff up, and and I literally held on to it because I was trying to survive. I I just could not, so it didn't go away. Nobody ever held that position to help me through it. I carried it up. I say to men all across the country, I did not become a man until I was 47 years old.
0: Wow, wow, unbelievable! And again, this was a grandfather you write in your book that gave you all kinds of life skills, but he also gave you a bag full of condoms. So yep. it's so interesting because this idea of sow your wild oats as <laughs> as though it's a cold once you've done sowing your oats that goes away, right? I mean, so it's it's flawed thinking that somehow you're going to be promiscuous here and then that's not going to follow you into your marriage as well.
2: So I thought it would stop, Janet. I thought it would stop. I thought once I married Kath that things would stop. I mean, she was a really good-looking gal, and I looked at what she was going to look like by looking at her mom, 20 years older. And I thought, you know, this is okay. If I'm stuck with this, this is okay. But I I was looking at all the wrong things. I I wasn't looking at anything right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. This is what I mean, friends, about transparency. That's tough to say that on national radio. But Tim is doing it because he really does want marriages to be transformed. Kathy, you're on deck. When we come back, you write about your childhood as well and some of the things that you ended up bringing into the marriage. The book is called Sex on the First Date. That'll get your attention, and we're just getting started on this conversation. So much wise counsel from wounded comforters this hour, back after this. those times you felt like you were walking in circles were really God's way of leading you to His plan for your life. That's why I've chosen Connecting the Dots as this month's truth tool. Learn how to make the most of the lessons you're learning now. Ask for your copy of Connecting the Dots when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-Janet-58, that's 877-Janet-58, or go to In the Market with Janet JanetParshall.org. Tim and Kathy Bush are with us. They're the co-authors of the book, Sex on the First Date a story of a broken beginning to a radically transform marriage. It's really a very powerful memoir, by the way. They're speakers as well as Family Life Affiliate staff, and they share their stories at marriage conferences and retreats all across the country. So, Kathy, again, just like Tim, you're unbelievably transparent about some of the things you experienced as a child and brought into the marriage. Talk to me about your background.
1: Hi, Janet. First off, we're so happy to be here, so thanks for having us. Thank you yeah so my upbringing was totally different than Tim's. I was um, from a pretty solid family. I was raised with uh there were seven of us kids, pretty much six of us while I was growing up. one came later. Um, I would say my parents did a you know did a, as good as they could, did a good job, got us to church on Sundays and the you know there were some things in my life that happened that kind of changed. Um, I think as far as the, the path I was going down, but for the most part, it was pretty, I was in a pretty stable home. We did, um, my dad was an immigration officer, so we moved around every two to three years, which that became really hard for me because I was a super shy kid. Like, it was really hard for me to make friends, so about the time I would make a friend, it was time to leave. And then in my childhood, what what happened to me was I was molested, mm. and that's when I think my, I kind of took a spiral in my life and really went through a lot of depression and um, just, just really not – just that shyness that I had got even worse, so it got even harder for me. And then as I went into middle school and high school, I started drinking a lot. And I think I did that so I could break out of my shell so it would help me make friends – and then the drinking turned into dating guys and being becoming really promiscuous. And the thing about, um, I think, for me, was that my thought of what I was going to do when I grew up is I was going to get married, and that's kind of what we did in our family. It was like us girls got married. I wasn't going to go to college, and that was going to be my future. So I kind of dated guys looking for that guy that was going to marry me. So... After when I when I did meet Tim, it was like I looked at him as really the first man I ever dated. He was he had graduated and he had money. He had a job. He had cars and he just seemed like he would be a really good husband and be able to take care of me and provide for me. And so that's why I really think that my my attraction to Tim was so strong.
0: Mm, Wow. Tell me about the title of the book sex on
1: the first date. And that's how, that, that, that's how it started for us. <laughs> that was our first date.
0: <laughs> well, let me ask you both, where, if I were to ask you, where is your, where was your relationship with Jesus Christ at that point when you two started dating?
1: Well, for me, I, at relationship with Jesus Christ, I had no relationship with Jesus Christ. I believed in Jesus, and I even believed that he died for my sins so when I did sin and ask for forgiveness, I felt like I was forgiven, but god was it was more um I believed in God and gar, God was a far off God mm. so it there was no personal relationship at that time
2: Tim, how about I you? believed in, and I believed in God, uh, but that's all there was uh, that's all there was for me, and the only verse I knew in the Bible is why I should submit to their husbands that's the only and that's because somebody told me that. <laughs> So that's just, <laughs> and it was not about what it means in the Bible. It's about what I gave it meaning to. Yes. So it's just, it, just, it just wasn't, uh, I, there was no relationship for me.
0: Wow. So um, you got married and you started your life together. And tell me about the first few years of your marriage.
1: Well, let me tell you, too, the reason we got married, so we mm-hmm. started dating, obviously had sex on the first date, continued to have sex, and we got pregnant. I got pregnant. So I was a senior in high school and I hated school. So it was a good reason to drop out of school and get married. So we got married because I was pregnant. So the first year,
2: go ahead. Yeah.
1: So I was going to say, so by time I was 21, we got married. I was 18, Tim was 20. By time I was 21, I had three little kids. Wow.
2: wow. And I knew on our wedding night we'd made a mistake, and so did Kath. So it was.
1: Yeah, we so both knew. That
2: was- we both knew that, but we knew we had a baby. And when Kath told me she was pregnant, uh, in my promiscuity, I had got another girl pregnant years before and did the wrong thing and paid for an abortion, not knowing that it was going to happen some 40 years later that I was going to deal, have to deal with that. I thought I was doing the right thing back then, had no clue when, as soon as Kath told me, I knew I wanted that kid to have a name. Back in those days, there was no ultrasounds or anything, so we had no idea whether it was a boy or a girl, but I wanted this last name to be Bush, and I wanted to do the right thing. And, again, I thought, you know, Kath was really good-looking and was fun, and I thought it was going to work out. But, you know, it was we, – and we were literally separated when we, had, when she, we found out she was pregnant with, her, with our second child, So uh, TJ, Tim Jr. So we, we were separated and found out she was pregnant, which that's what got us back together. And and so there was just never really any stability there with why we would stay married. And, of course, I started drinking and partying right away. She wasn't as much fun when she couldn't party with me, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that may sound sound bad, but I just didn't know any different. I worked all the time and partied after work.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So you both said, interestingly, that on your wedding night you knew it was a mistake. Did you mean that you meant it was a mistake? That you had had sex before marriage, or that this union was a mistake—all
2: the above. Oh, wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. was mistake. She was no, she was, she's amazing, but uh, yeah,
1: uh, yeah. And we know yeah. now, God doesn't make any mistakes. We knew, but I at think, at the time, I think for yeah. Me, yeah, at the time, I think, I think for me, Janet is—I knew sex out of marriage was wrong, and I know that was from my church upbringing. I knew that was wrong, but that. But that, it wasn't enough to not do it for us because, like you said, there was we had said there was no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So there wasn't that conviction of that. But when we realized it was the wrong thing after, I, and I think what happened was we got married, and all of that fun that we were having before, that just kind of went away.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Funny how that happens when you have three children by the time you're 21. So Rocky would be a word, and we're not talking about a film, talking about the first few years of your marriage. We're going to pick it up at that point. It's a powerfully, powerfully important memoir. It's called Sex on the First Date. Now you know where the title comes from. It is written by our guests, Tim and Kathy Bush, who now are parents, grandparents, as well as speakers and on staff as family life affiliate uh, staff as well. So we've got so much more to talk about because if God can put their marriage back together... Is he big enough to put yours back together? And the answer is a resounding yes with an exclamation point. Back after this. Sex on the First Date. That'll catch your attention. That's the title of the new book by Tim and Kathy Bush. They are the founders of War Room Ministries, by the way, which is a marvelous ministry that's designed to serve men, families, and marriages And churches, and to develop Christian character through redemption, relationships, and resilience. And that's why, uh, to both you, Tim and Kathy, your transparency is so crucially important because so often when people are, quote, platformed, we think they've got their life together. They've never really had a trial or an ounce of tribulation in their life. But be able to say, this is what God did for me, this is what He did for us, how He put all our brokenness back together again. Again, it just it's a self-evident truth. If God can do that for the bushes, he can do that for anybody else who's listening within the sound of our voices today. So obviously, rough. you talk about partying. Tim, you even had a relationship with cocaine for a while, and things are continuing in your marriage. But then there's infidelity. When did it show up for the first time?
2: Well, for me, the infidelity actually started— I. I I would say I cheated on Kath right before we got married, even thinking that that would stop. After we got married, I thought this is my last of my wild oats time. So I, I look at that as cheating definitely now. I did not back then. Uh, and then after we got married, I I thought since I'm married now, I'm not going to do this anymore. But my old self came back right away and wasn't too long after, I would say within months, not even years. So it wasn't a very long time after that things started to happen in that way. And, and the wandering eye and the wandering things that I was doing, you know, like, like I said earlier, 47 years old before I became a man, I made lots of money. I made babies, had sex, but I was not a man. I was a boy, and I, I was very selfish, very, mm. very selfish.
0: Wow. And again, so much of your background, what you'd been taught, and, and that's not an excuse, but I think it's important sometimes to help understand why people make the decisions they do is because so often if that's the way they're, quote, trained, if I can use that word, then it's hard to undo that training. And it can be done through the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's not. At first it has to be recognized, and then there has to be profound surrender for that to take place. But, Kathy, you had the same issue. Your kids are old enough to be taken care of by a babysitter, and the same challenge enters into your life as well. How did you deal with that temptation? What was going on?
1: Yeah, and the thing thing for me when that started was when I started going out to the bars with Tim. And so I started drinking. You know, I'd been home raising the kids, and like you said, they, they got old enough to we could get babysitters, and we started going to the bars, and then with the drinking and kind of having other guys look at me and talking to other guys and, and, you know, trying to fill that void in a marriage that I don't feel like, we're having a good marriage we're not communicating about anything and so i i then that's when that happened when some guy was showing me attention and we started a friendship and it became an emotional affair that's how that started and mm-hmm. i was just and i know i was just looking to fill that void that was missing in my marriage
0: well and there's a continuum there because you said that you thought tim would be the man who would make you feel safe and cared for and again, right. so much of that comes out of your background. If you don't feel like you're having that anymore, then you start looking. And very often for women in particular, there's an issue of a lack of attention emotionally. Um, they're not you're not being affirmed. You're not being encouraged. And so you look for that other person who you think will do it. Except, right. as you, you right. noted earlier, Tim, you're looking for it in all the wrong places. So were you aware? And Tim, you tell powerfully of the story of coming back into the house when Kathy was on the phone and that's when you knew that something was going on in terms of infidelity. Talk about that.
2: Well, that's when I really thought we were in a better place because there'd been a lot of things that had happened and, and Kathy shared some stuff. And that morning I'd got up and we, we had been together intimately and just were really close in my feeling. And I, 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 literally backed out of the garage and felt myself need, needing to come back and kiss her goodbye in the right way. When I walked up the stairs, I heard her talking to somebody, and I realized it wasn't her mom or her sister. It was a guy. And it just kind of blew me away, and I literally just felt this loss, like this is just not going to work. It's time for me to give up. I, wow. I can't do it anymore. Hmm. And I re- but I also realized that this was God probably getting back at me, the God that I knew at that time god getting back at me for all the things i had done that i had never told Kath about
0: wow so you thought he was going to punish you
2: yeah i was being punished by what by what was happening so i either had to live with those kind of things happen or just i, I just kind of had, had enough i was i was at that that's the first time in our marriage that i could say i had really just had enough and it just wasn't going to work i everything was so broken i needed to just move on and and try to have a different life
0: wow so help me understand this. At different points in your marriage, each of you were being unfaithful. When you know that you're doing what you're not supposed to be doing, but you find out that your spouse is now doing what they shouldn't be doing, how do you react? Because they've committed the same sin that you've committed.
1: Well, it's well, interesting, you, Janet, Janet, because go, go ahead. I, was, I was going to say for so long, what happened with me with infidelity, I would tell Tim about it because I couldn't live with the guilt and that's when we would come back together we would go to counselors and it was always about me and so the really I didn't find out about the infidelity that was happening with Tim for many years Mm -hmm. and so there was a lot of years that I wondered why he was staying with me because I was I was being unfaithful but he would take me back and I didn't know he was being unfaithful so then I'm living with the guilt and the shame of, and, and just thinking, he I'm, I'm really married to someone who's perfect because they keep taking me back, until mm-hmm. that all came crashing down.
0: Wow. And what you would have thought we scripted it to take a break right here. So given what you've heard thus far, friends, you would think, okay, uh, this marriage isn't going to last, they're going to go their separate ways, and we shouldn't even be having this conversation. And yet we're having this conversation and they have been married since 1982 so how in the world with all of this brokenness all of this infidelity all of this partying all of the things that were going on how does this marriage which looked like it had canceled all over it how did it get radically transformed well that's the reason the Bushes are here back after this Your life with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other is essential for each of us on our walk with Christ, and that's what we do on In the Market. We examine culture, interpret the headlines, and look at the news from a biblical perspective. When you become a partial partner, you're directly responsible for putting this program on the air, reaching men and women across America with the practical application of God's Word. Become a partial partner today by calling 877 Janet 58 or go to In the Market with Janet Partial.org. If you're just joining us, welcome. I'm glad you're here. You're going to want to get this story from the beginning. We've made that easy for you. Just go to In the Market with JanetParshall.org. On the left-hand side of the homepage, you're going to see a bunch of words. Look for these two sitting right next to each other. Past programs. Click it on. And download this hour in its entirety or either of the two hours we do every day going back a full year. But in this story particularly, you're going to want to get the background of Tim and Kathy Bush and why the title of their book is called Sex on the First Date because it is a story of a broken beginning to a radically transformed marriage. And we're picking this up now when everything had just fallen apart. So Kathy, you had just said that you didn't realize that Tim was being unfaithful while you yourself had been unfaithful and so you thought it was gracious that Tim was pack, taking you back in again. How did you learn about his infidelity? Because that was sort of the last straw. Everything collapsed at that point.
1: Well, when i heard when I finally heard about his infidelity, he had been in he had he had been starting down a journey of anxiety and depression and had been in counseling. And his counselor finally advised him to he actually asked him, "Is there things that you 're not telling me? Is there something that I need to know and Then Tim finally told him about his infidelity that had been happening through the years, and he told Tim at that point, "You have to tell kathy and so that was when that was when that happened and when that happened, my husband was was in the worst place ever um, mentally, physically. Mm-hmm. So, for me when that came to me, I, I I wasn't really the last thing I was thinking about was leaving him because this is this was a whole process of I know God was working. And so when he finally told me everything, it's it's actually like our marriage kind of started to make sense to me. And when it finally was all out, I thought, now we have something to work with. That that's that was my response.
0: Wow. Almost like a raised house. So you could start yeah. all over again. Yes. Tim, my heart breaks yep. for you. If if you were struggling with anxiety, was a subset of that shame and guilt? And what's it like to carry that around all the time?
2: Well, I had I lived with anxiety off and on from in my 20s. And I would just either work out or or have a couple drinks and it would go away. I had different ways to cope with it, but it finally became through a couple deaths that happened. My my younger brother who died of a brain tumor at 43 years old, and then my my nephew uh, at 22 years old. I finally just couldn't deal with it anymore. And then the economy in 2008 kind of changed, mm-hmm. and I was I was a big business guy and really proud and. And was going to build my own kingdom here on Earth, and I, I, could, I all of a sudden couldn't work anymore, and I didn't have a lot of worth in my in myself, and I actually even contemplated suicide. Actually, started planning it. So uh, there was a lot of things that were so broken, and then when I finally went to Jake and said, "Hey, uh, I, the the thing with my stepdad and dealing with that, that's not working. I'm still having anxiety. I'm I'm not sleeping at night, and I'm taking. I'm now I'm I'm literally drinking whiskey." every night, reading the Bible, and I'm, I'm dying here. And he said I needed to tell Kath. And, mm-hmm. and so when I went home and told her, I knew I was going to lose her. And, mm. and, and I look back at it, Janet, when I did tell her, which was about a two-hour conversation, by the way, so it's not a one-weekend deal or one, it was a lot I had to tell mm-hmm. her. I do believe that's the first time I ever saw Jesus was through Kath.
0: Wow, wow. Kathy, what does that make you feel like when you hear him say that?
1: Oh, it's huge. It was, it was a, you know, I don't, I don't think I knew at the time how big it was for him. And I think a lot of these things that happened for us in our marriage, and when we look back on it now, we see God's hand in it. So it's, it's, it's pretty po- powerful when you look back and you see God was just kind of walking right along with us, knew where we were going to be today, you know, so it was big. It was a big mm-hmm. moment.
0: So what kept you from leaving him when he had that conversation with you?
1: Oh, I just think, I really just think it was God working in me. I think it was, like I said, it was, I, I, I was, our marriage, Tim had been so controlling in our marriage for so many years. And during this process of his anxiety and depression and everything he was going through, he lost all control. So all of a sudden I'm married to a different man and that that young girl it was that it took me so long to grow up because I felt like I was kinda under Tim's control. Well once he his control wasn't over me and I had to take it's like I had to step up and take care of him. And so my love at that time started increasing for him because he wasn't holding all this pressure and control over me. It was it was a total change in our marriage. Wow. Well let me get to had multiple to
2: the... businesses. I had multiple businesses. I couldn't work. I, I was yeah. I was a, a vegetable.
0: Hmm. That was crippling then. Absolutely crippling yeah. for you. Wow. Absolutely crippling. So in the subtitle you use the words radically transformed, and that sounds great and it sounds like something out of a fairy tale, one magic wand, and poof, everything is transformed. But it takes a lot of sweat equity and it takes a lot of work. So oh, God tears everything down, everything is revealed, the things that were in secret are made known, and now you're gonna start all over again. To the people who are listening right now who can say, that's exactly where we're at in our marriage, where and how does the rebuilding start?
2: Well, uh, the scriptures say every knee will bow. And I was uh, going to Mexico, uh, and a friend of mine, uh, his name is Bob, and he, I, I, I needed some drugs. I, wasn't, I, were, I couldn't get Xanax anymore. My doctor wouldn't give it to me, and I was going to run out. And I wanted some heavier drugs. And like I said, I was drinking a fifth of, of booze a day. Um, doing everything I could do just to exist. And I was on this board of directors, and he was a friend, too. And he actually said, would you consider uh, – I, I, he would get me the drugs, but he said, I think you should consider something else. He said, you should read the Bible. And I said, dude, I am. Seventy pages a night, whiskey in one hand, Bible in the other, I'm getting nothing. <laughs> and he, he says, you need to slow down in that. And a friend of mine told me when I started reading the Bible just to read one proverb a day. And why don't you do that? And I said, well, I'll consider it. No one was going to tell me what to do. And (laughs) I did consider it. And then this was the first step, Janet. I actually, a couple weeks later, told Calf uh, I asked her, "Would you consider reading the Bible with me?" And I'll let her ex- expand and, on
1: that. She... And Janet, I will say to this day that was the sexiest thing that Tim's ever done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I understand that. I understand yeah. that. You know, somebody that said was once. A change. I bet it was somebody said once the most intimate thing a married couple can do is to pray together, because yes, it we really agree. it tears down all of the hypocrisy. You talk about being fully transparent. You don't dare talk to a holy God and try to bluff him because he knows your heart. So that's amazing. Where are the two of you spiritually at this point? So, Tim, you talked about feeling led to read the Bible 70 pages a day, in one hand, <laughs> word in the other. Um, was it because you started a relationship with Christ or did you think maybe that's where the answers can be found?
2: No, I just thought, you know, I've turned to everything else. Why not I try God? And I thought I would get God out of the Bible, which I probably did, but I wasn't understanding anything I said. Mm-hmm. And then when I slowed down, and Cal started reading to me, reading to me, and uh, and 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 there was a lot of reading back and forth. And we did the Gospels after that, and the Psalms, and we kept on reading. And I, and I and I did a weight loss thing, and was trying. And we quit drinking for a little while. Well, that gave room for other things. When you get when you give up the alcohol. All of a sudden, things are happening. And then I was going through grief counseling, and this pastor told me that I had been a pastor for 40 years. He says, Tim, he said, I could lose my job for this. I've been a pastor for 40 years. I've never had this conversation with another person, and I think it's from God. You need to go find yourself a Jesus-loving, Bible-teaching church, and this is not the place because you have a calling on your life, and it's a huge calling, and it's mm. not here. So so I went home to calf because I didn't know what a calling was and asked her what it was. She didn't know either. But she said she was in.
1: <laughs> it was so funny, Janet, because he says this to me and I and we're looking at each other like, What's a calling? But it sounds good. We should go find it.
0: <laughs> so did so you find that church?
2: Yes, we, we did. did and- we did. We did, and then, and then there was a series. I was class president, and that year in August we had uh, our senior uh, our, our, our reunion, and I was always the party, running the suite, and we did get drunk that night and partied. And at the, the next day we felt so terrible, and Cass said, I think the counselors are right. They've been saying we should quit drinking. Let's at least do it for a little while. And, of course, I didn't want to, but I said I'd be willing to do it for a month. And so we did it for a month no drinking, uh, August 31st through September. And then at the end, since I'm really attracted to millionaires, self-made millionaires, Ben Franklin has a way of doing things. You take a Mm -hmm. white piece of paper and draw a line down, left Mm -hmm. for pros, right for cons. And we couldn't find any reason why we should drink for another month, so we just did one more month. (laughs) So that was (laughs) kind of how that that worked for just a few more months.
1: Well, what was amazing, Janet, was, as we were read, reading God's word and we weren't drinking it was like God's word was coming alive
0: yeah.
1: and i believe that and and because through the years we were we were in and out of church we were still in and out of church making sure our kids were going to church and but there was no personal relationship and for me that personal relationship came when i got rid of alcohol and we were in God's word because we were going to churches where they would read the word to you. You know, you weren't really you didn't need to read the Bible. We that's what I thought church was. But once we we were actually in God's word and we were reading God's word, life changed and our marriage and for, was changing big time.
2: And then for me that December, which was December 21st of 2009, we I'm really attracted to music. I love music and there was we were at this Christmas concert. And, they, and at the very end, which I found out literally while we were writing the book, that this song was not even supposed to be on one of the charts mm. they were singing. Wow. Uh, the pastor told us that, Mel. No, he said it wasn't even on there. Well, anyway, they did this song. And I literally reached down to calf After this song, I said, babe, our lives are going to change forever. I felt yeah. the Holy Spirit come inside me. It was an aha moment. And oh. our lives have never been the same since.
0: Oh, my goodness. What a place to take a break. Sex on the First Date. It is the book that Tim and Kathy Bush have authored together. And again, I'll say it out loud. If he can do it for them, he can do it for you. Back after this. and Kathy Bush wrote a book called Sex on the First Date. It is their memoir, but it's also very much of a tutorial on how broken marriages can be put back together. If he can do it in their marriage, he can do it in yours, which is why the subtitle is said to be this, a story of a broken beginning to a radically transformed marriage. So now the house has been raised, the foundation has been laid, the cornerstone is Jesus Christ, and now you're starting to build all over again. Tell me, as you both come to faith in Christ, and now, now he is not a sidebar story, uh, and you're not flying through the Word, you're digesting the Word, and faith is coming by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How is your marriage starting to change, and particularly your perspective on each other? Tim, I'll start with you.
2: Well, it's just dramatic. I'm looking at Kath more as a, a partner, uh, uh a lover of the word, a sister in Christ. There's just so many more facets of our marriage, as our kids say in our book, because they're a big part of our book. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say we love each other and, and that, that they don't even remember the old anymore. So, And she's a prayer partner, too. I mean, we pray together every day. We have lists of people uh, that we pray for at different times. We love to pray, and uh, a guy asked me to pray One time, and I just never stopped. And it's so important. If I go on a pheasant hunt, I'll even call her from the pheasant hunt and pray with her. Every we don't miss a day. It's just it's a non negotiable in our marriage.
0: Amen, amen. Kath, tell me about your perspective. Oh wow,
1: it's it as as Tim said, it's so different than our first twenty seven years of our marriage. We're just we're just completely different people, and it didn't you know the the change for us. When we look at it now, it seems like it was so sudden, but it was definitely, it was definitely a gradual thing as we, as we grew in Christ. And, and we continue. It's like it's definitely not perfect, and we know it's never going to be perfect here, but the, the way we look at marriage is so different. We talked, especially me, I know I talk divorce so much. And now it's like we realize what our covenant is in marriage, mm. and we are here till death do us part, and we made, made that covenant with each other and with God. And so to look at it in that light and not to look at it as how I'm feeling today, because we lived on feelings for 27 years, and we realize that is living in the flesh. And we, mm. when, you're, when you're living by what God calls marriage and how He designed it, it changes everything. So it's Amen. very different.
2: Wow! There's so much at stake, Janet. There's so much at stake. There's so much past us. What what what's at stake? You just can't let that go. And we and the book we put questions after every chapter for yes, so couples yes. to work through things. But then also we have stakes in the ground in our last chapter to kind of even give some some things that people could do, and they could that the, our stakes are our stakes they can make their own. But. What's at stake is our grandkids and their kids and kids we don't even know. We don't know 100 years from now the things we do today that might change change that generation. It's really important what we do.
0: 100%. What happens uh, if temptation comes back in? Because a lot of people might be focusing in on the infidelity because maybe that's what they're Mm -hmm. struggling with right now. Now that you have a Christ-centered, Christ-focused, prayerful marriage, if that temptation were to arrive again, how does this newly transformed couple deal with it this time?
2: What do you think, Al? You, you, you want to say how? Well, I, would say, I would
1: say first thing for us the the common denominator with a lot of the infidelity. Most of the infidelity that happened in our marriage was alcohol. So for us, you know, we we took alcohol completely out of our marriage. We, you know, that may not be for every couple, and we don't believe that having a drink is, is a sin. We it doesn't work in our marriage, so we took that completely out. We have set boundaries, our, we have no um, nothing that's off limits to each other. We have total access to each other's phones, computers. We are completely transparent with each other. And so and we last Tim said, we have those stakes in the ground. We are in God's word every day. We are praying together every day. And we know what it takes to have a thriving marriage, and we don't want to go back to where we were. So we're so aware of that.
2: Uh Those boundaries are non-negotiables, and we're also modeling that to our kids and grandkids. They see it, and our friends, they all see it. And they see our thriving marriage, and we know we're not even—we haven't even arrived yet. We want our marriage to be better. It's Mm -hmm. helped every part of our marriage. And by the way, Dennis Rainey just said to say hi— <laughs>
0: he and Barbara wrote the forward to the book. It's wonderful as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, wow. So I, I love these stories because, again, it speaks to the awesome power of a holy and loving God that he can take broken people and he can put the pieces back together again. So some of your stakes, by the way, I agree with your stakes. I think they're fabulous. Prayer in the word, serving the Lord together. So tell me how War Room Ministries came about.
1: Well, that, know, that was my things next. Things yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, I love it when a Sorry. couple talks together. That's cool.
1: I know. In,
2: well, we do these events, you... and we're finishing okay, each other you know. sentences sometimes. Right. You know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you should see us at our events. That's why we have to. We finally we had our own. We were sharing a mic at one point. And we're like, we have to have our own mics. <laughs> it used to be easier because I used to have less to say, but I keep having more to say. Tim used to be the talker. Well, and
2: remember, yeah, Kathy. Kathy used to be an introvert. I, I was just going to
0: say that. I was just going to say, Tim, if our friends were listening from the start of this conversation, Kathy, you identified yourself as an introvert, and now she needs yes, her completely. own mic. So that's been taken care of as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I used to sit
1: in the bathroom stall in in high school during lunch hour so I wouldn't have to talk to people. That's how shy I was.
0: Wow. wow. But even yeah. the Lord changed that so that you could yes. serve him and yeah. honor and glorify him by the testimony of your marriage. So tell me about War Room Ministries.
2: Well, it started in the summer of twenty we had already been doing events for with family life materials and and all over the country we 'd been doing them and we 'd been doing them in our church, but our church shut down, and we felt the need to keep things going so we had built a building that started out as a man cave, and then the man cave turned had a bunch of cars a bunch of do not touch stuff in it and god didn 't want that and it ended up being Uh, a man cave where we did stepping up mostly, and that that was a men's thing, and I led over 3,000 guys through that, out of the war room. Well, now now since then, we've sold the war room, and we've we've moved to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, uh, uh, for our main house. Anyway, that house goes, uh, we're building a new retreat center, a marriage retreat center up there, so the war room is going to a whole different level, to a different state even.
0: Um, unbelievable. And by the way, I bet you just got a bunch of people really interested. So I've got a link, warroomministries.com. It's on my info page, warroomministries.com. Tim and Kathy, I just want to underscore again, if you weren't willing to be transparent, the power of your testimony couldn't be told because you had to tell people how low it went, how dark it got, how broken it was to be able to give God the glory for how much light and repair and restoration he brought into your marriage. And I'll say it again, So, and if you listen to their story and if you listen to what's being told to us in the marketplace of ideas, this marriage was dead on arrival. It should go on the ash heap of other dead marriages in this country, but it isn't dead. It's vibrant. It's getting better every day because of who Jesus is and what he can do for the bushes and what he can do for you. Get the book. It's very important. Thank you. Thank you, Tim and Kathy. See you next time, friends.